Hi, I'm Darren Wright. And I'm Tim Beadle. Welcome to Disciple Making. Welcome back to Disciple Making. I'm Tim Beadle with my friend Darren Ride. Uh, throughout our podcast, Darren, I don't think we've actually described um, the impact worship and worship design, worship services actually has in our call to make disciples that make disciples. Um, how, how do you land on that topic? Well, I'm I'm in the process of circling the runway on that topic, Tim. As you know, where I, you know, I, I'm in the midst of a church plant that is a completely alternative model that doesn't have a large worship service in the weekly sense and doesn't ever intend to. At the same time, I'm involved in working with churches that are structured that way. And so I'm, I've been asking the question, when it comes to the Sunday morning gathering or typically weekend gathering with you know a sermon and some music and that kind of thing, how effective is that in disciple-making or how could it be made more effective in disciple-making is it worth the effort, or should we all go microchurch? That that's those are the things I'm actively wrestling with right now. Yeah, you know it, it's this is where we are. You know, most of us have been part of traditional churches, and it goes decades and decades. You know, remember years ago, you know, the the worship wars when we tried to get the organ off the the platform, and uh, God forbid that we would have guitars playing. We're so so steeped in institutionalism in the church that when uh, sort of mavericks like you come along with with fresh ideas, we we have to decide: Are we going to bypass what we have, which is still the body of Christ, and just uh, do an alternative? And or is there something that we can redeem after what we do by perhaps making a mid course correction or or steering the ship in a bit of a different direction towards? Uh, a more desired outcome or destination. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and, I, and one the obvious, you know, question for me is: Could we should change the teaching focus? Yeah. To to maybe move from teaching to a little more equipping, actually, and 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 really actively addressing disciple making issues, and and not just not just. And I don't say every preacher does this, but we sometimes tickle ears. We sometimes entertain. We sometimes. Uh, you know, make very simple points again and again and again. You know, I've heard people say, you know, I don't go to church anymore because I've heard it all before. I, I've not heard anything new in a church service in a long time. And so I, I wonder if a, a change of the teaching focus might help with that a little bit. Yeah, and, and with COVID, where people are still staying at home and staying away from the church, and if they don't like what they're hearing on one channel, they simply cl- click to another Uh the the one one practical thing that that I've really focused on in recent days, and I've introduced this uh, actually the last two Sundays as I've been preaching, is something called the Learning Circle. It comes out mm. of the 3DM, uh, Mike Bream, and basically it asks two questions because we believe every time that the Word is opened, if we're talking about preaching first of all, that that God's Word does not return to Him void. Uh, it's it's you know sharper than a two-edged sword, and, and the Spirit uses the Word of God to accomplish His purpose in our heart, whether that's to convict us of sin or comfort us or counsel us. You know, there's always always either a command to obey, a promise to claim, a behavior to change. But the, the uh, learning cycle simply says this: uh, What did God say to me practically today in this Word? Mm-hmm. And then on, on the flip side, and what am I going to do practically about it this week? So 
God is always speaking and we're always responding. And, and that could actually be, if we now focus on disciple making, how does this message for those preparing the messages or those delivering them to, to make sure that we're really honing down to practical application in terms of our call to be disciple makers? Mm, mm, that's a that's an excellent observation because a lot of cases the teaching is often it doesn't go to the place of application it unpacks the word sometimes very well excellent exegesis and excellent you know illustrative material but it doesn't really land with practical application yeah. it's very difficult in some cases for people to sink their teeth into it uh, I had a discussion once with a pastor of a very little large church about this and said you know I think we could use a little more application he said well. He says, I kind of leave that up to people to figure out. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and honestly, we can't figure it out. You know, we need as, as receivers of the word being taught, we need not just what does the word say, but what does it say to me now? And what's the action I should take? I think that's part of the job of a preacher teacher today. Yeah. And, and I think I mentioned this before within us, there's a the level of knowledge and the, 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 the level of obedience and those levels are sometimes quite wide apart because we have the head knowledge, but we haven't responded in terms of life application. Uh, the learning circle goes on, if you want a third question, and who, not only what did God say to me in this passage and what am I practically going to do about it, who am I going to hold, ask to hold me accountable to it? Mm-hmm. I think that's the only way. We live in, a, in an age of uh, basically you do what you want and no one holds you accountable. And, and I think that really has to stop. If we're truly going to uh, hone in on disciple-making, discipleship is more vague. You know, like, yeah, we're sort of growing. Disciple-making is more specific where, yes. again, when we look at people, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. And I say that so often. And I said that <laughs> to my congregation that, that we aren't judging people. We're, we're discerning where they're at on their journey and also what our role is, depending on where they're at in their journey. And mm. in, in past, you know, in past episodes, we, we've talked about um, learning to tell a faith story. Well, how do we learn to do that unless we're really applying the Word of God and growing so that um, those who don't know Jesus are not make-work projects? Mm. But but we have to get in relationship with people, and we have to be growing. Otherwise, uh, people can tell if they hear the same thing coming out of our mouth Month after month after month, there needs to be something living, and and isn't that what what worship can do when we come? And God is this audience of our gathering, and and then you know we're we're living this new kingdom life, and part of that should flow out into natural bearing the fruit of growth, you know, sanctification, being set apart, and growing in the spirit. But it, it's always geared towards how we can. Lead others towards Jesus, as Paul said. You know, follow me as I follow Christ, and uh, it's a challenge that people come in. Most people, a thirty-minute sermon after four days, they remember less than five percent. Mm-hmm. So, so, what hope is there when people are so busy that they, they aren't even remembering what was taught, let alone apply it? <laughs> yeah, well, and I think you know the, that leads to the importance of one-point sermons. <laughs> With exactly. your application, because honestly, if, if they only remember 5%, but they apply it, I'm pretty happy because yeah. I don't need people to remember 30 minutes of content. I need them to remember one idea and one action. Yeah. Someone, and, someone once, yeah, someone once said, instead of doing a three point sermon, do a one point sermon and unpack it at three different levels for the, for the maturity of the hearers who are listening to it. 
Well, that's that's good. Well, you know, that's where, I mean, some churches are structured in such a way that the Sunday teaching becomes the curriculum for the small groups. Yeah, that's true. And I had some friends went to a church where the reason they went to this church was the church service was first and Sunday school was second. Ah, okay. The adult Sunday school class discussed the message. Wow. And worked it over. And they absolutely loved that. And that gives A, some accountability, chance for deep understanding, questions to the pastor about things yeah. that weren't clear. I mean, that would really put you on the spot as a pastor. That'd be excellent in terms of your preparation. And so, you know, I, I think we could take that teaching moment of the service and with a little bit of shaping of both the content application and some follow-up in a smaller setting, could probably have pretty good leverage for disciple-making. Yeah, I think we have to just be willing to change, not for the sake of change, but for the sake of obedience to the Lord and for effectiveness. It's hard to bring in changes in the church, but you know what, Darren? Because of COVID, we're all changing. We were forced to change. And uh, because of that, I think there's a lot of uh, leverage right now of rethinking what is normal. And when people either come back to church are we just trying to get back to the same old, same old, or are we understanding that the Lord's actually using this liminal space, as it were, this in-between time to not put our heads in the sand and try to survive, but but through the leading of the Holy Spirit to, to reposition ourselves in a manner that will be more meaningful and honoring to God. And uh, I think that's the way that we have to follow. Yeah, no, absolutely there, Tim. You know, I'm trying something new in a church I'm involved with right now. They're between pastors. And I've been doing some teaching there, and it's leaned towards, you know, disciple-making evangelistic training. But one thing I've proposed is that uh, for three messages I have coming up, I'm going to take a three-part evangelism training that I typically would do outside of a Sunday morning, you know, in a in another setting, midweek kind of thing. We're actually going to do the training on Sunday morning yeah, on three different Sundays and really equip people in personal evangelism on a Sunday morning, as opposed to your standard sermon. So I'm, I'm curious how that'll work. I mean, that'll be a little bit of a, a sidestep for some people, but it really is a move towards that equipping side that is so key to disciple making. So so in this approach, uh, is there any feedback you get from people? Like, I know in some churches, uh, they'll just pause in the middle of the, the message and get feedback from uh, those in the faith community who are listening. So it's almost more interactive than just one-way conversation. Yeah, well, that's that's easier to do in a smaller church, for sure, I yeah. would say. Yeah. You know, you open up, you get a church much over 100, it becomes, uh, you know, kind of unwieldy or the same people always give feedback or the same people heckle every time, you know. <laughs> Hopefully not. But uh, sometimes you can actually ask people um, in advance to submit questions that they might have about the topic about to be preached. Oh, yeah. so, if it, so if it's about evangelism, people can put their, their fear or their uh, past experiences. And then rather than do the open mic, you can actually select um, you know, a couple of questions even aside from the actual message that you're speaking, just to let people know that that we're listening to them and we're engaged them. And uh, I, I think whenever someone puts in uh, a question, uh, it's representative of a lot of people who mm. would never put the question in type of thing. Oh, oh, absolutely. And if you teach on the similar topics, Tim, in different places, there are the frequently asked questions like that you can, you can anticipate that when I used to speak on Team Dynamics, I would survey the crowd in advance before the event and 
the issues always came up of team trust and team communication. Yeah. I, I knew if I addressed those things in, to any team, it was relevant. And I'm finding the same, for instance, with evangelism. People are concerned about how to actually share the gospel, which yeah. is very interesting because it's actually the least of my concerns with them. Yeah. Uh, I'm concerned that they have someone to share the gospel with. Yeah. They're also quite concerned about some of the tough questions. Yep. And uh, just a few, you know, a few things like that. They're concerned about people feeling like projects. So those are yeah. things that come up. But yeah, asking people, and that just makes it immediately more relevant and immediately more equipping in, in a very practical sense. Yeah, I think, you know, when you look at the Gospels, Jesus was the master question hmm. asker. Uh, so many people asked Jesus a question. He simply turned the question around and asked it back on them, which, which really makes people have to think. I know in my um, coaching ministry, uh, often I would ask a question. Some would say, oh, that's a good question. And hmm. when they said that's a good question, what that means is, I've sort of taken them to the normal extremities of where they normally think, and I've pushed it out a little bit, and they have to think in perhaps uncharted or uncultivated areas. And that's why they say, oh, that's a good question. So it's affirming that they know they're on the right track, but they're really uh, deflecting the fact that they could have said, I've never thought about that before. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah, and isn't that the the, the beauty of when we open Scripture Mm. is that continually through our life when we're confronted with a biblical principle, how often do we say, I've never seen it like that before. Mm. I've never thought about it like that before. And and that's perhaps how in worship we come away not only praising the Lord but with some challenging questions that we have to deal with in in the week. Mm, Yeah. You know, when when I do sermon prep, I, I wrestle through what the purpose of the sermon is. You know, what is the point of this teaching? And uh, I, I try to frame it up and I pray about it and ask for direction in this very specifically to frame it up in obviously in relation to the hearer, not the speaker, in relation to the hearer, what should the hearer know and feel and do as a result of this teaching? And it's very easily as a teacher, and I was a Greek geek back in the day to really dig in and focus on the knowing, knowing, knowing. But there's also the emotive side that lends itself then to the action side. So the no feel do, I think, is an important part of any teaching that is going to change lives in any measure. Yep. No, I hear that. So uh, you'd mentioned before about music. We've been talking a lot in worship about the message. Uh, what are your thoughts in, in, in music and worship and disciple making? Well, yeah, I've, I've wrestled with that as much as I have with the teaching side and, and maybe with less conclusions because the amount of effort, time, energy, money that goes into the music portion of a service. And I I say music instead of worship, though while it is worship, it's not the sum total of worship. (laughs) Worship is offering our lives to God, Romans 12. The music portion of service is very resource intensive. And so my question is, how much does that effort contribute to making disciples? And I've been through probably my short life, although not so short anymore, two or three quote worship renewals of different kinds. And it hasn't led to a renewal of mission, as far as I can see, or a renewal of disciple making. And that concerns me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, I agree. You know, Sunday morning has always been the big, well, the big show, the big gathering. It depends on on, on where you're uh, worshiping. Um, but unfortunately, disciple making and discipleship has sort of been an offshoot of just the big gathering. Uh, and this is something we have to look at. Now, there is a lot of good worship music that that can not only speak to our soul, 
but Jesus meets us in those words and in that melody as well. So while I think we you know music is music and a lot of people like di- different genres and all that, but God meets me in music. I know that. Uh, mm. And because of that, it actually inspires me. And uh, on the emotive side, uh, I know some things, but when I listen to music, it actually uh, motivates me through the words and the melody to actually get up and do it as well. Yeah, no, I've I've been changed through specific songs that were anchored in, often anchored or somehow related, at least in my heart, to the teaching. And then the response of the song have had some things happen. You know, the best, the very best answer I've heard, I've asked different worship leaders about, about this, like, what is the role of worship in disciple making? Like, yeah. how does it fit in with that? The very best answer I heard was from a young fella. He was, he, he was to Bible school. He'd never been a pastor. He was working as a carpenter. He said, worship music, like music worship is inherently transformative. Yeah, it is. I thought that was, that was an excellent answer. And I think we have to understand that if God is in the business, which is of transforming us by his spirit to become like Jesus, and then to follow Jesus, imitate him, as he said, you know, come follow me and I'll make you into fishers of men, Matthew you know, 4.19, that we have to realize that when we're worshiping, it isn't just a focus on ourselves, that there's always a bigger picture that worship should lead us back into the world to live in God's kingdom, uh, not only with God as an audience of one, uh, but then his spirit walks beside us to obey the teachings of Jesus. And and I, I see that as a sort of a direct parallel between worship and then living a changed life when the worship gathering has finished. Yeah, you know, I think you can divide most music, Christian music, into into singing to God or singing about God. Yeah. And in fact, that was really the the subplot behind the worship wars, where a lot of hymns were honestly singing about God, yep. and a lot of the new music was singing to God. Yeah. And so it was it was almost a different cultural thing. And I think we need both. And from a from a disciple making standpoint, some of the older songs, even new songs that are scripture based, help anchor biblical truth in our hearts and our minds in a way that we can't forget. I mean, I finally learned the fruit of the spirit through a kid's song. <laughs> you know, that was how I learned to remember the, the fruit of the spirit. And some of the singing to God actually are songs that actually, in a way, teach us to pray and help us express our hearts to the Lord. And that's that's something worth being equipped in. And I think a lot of people tie songs to personal testimonies or mm. life situations. And uh, I know in, in a previous church I pastored, uh, before I uh, sort of I led in the singing, I, I would have someone come up and tell a testimony how this song changed their life spiritually, mm-hmm. and it enriched not only the atmosphere that 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 morning, but it reminded people that God is at work. Yes, through His Word and and through songs that are based on that, but but God wants to transform us. I think that's what worship. Yeah, we sort of focus and give glory to God. And give a sacrifice of praise, we say, uh, and he receives that as well. Uh, but then, because of his loving nature, he woos us to him to complete the work that he's put before us as well. So, so it sort of goes hand in hand, like like sort of two oars on a rowboat, or, or two uh, you know wings on a plane. You can't fly without both of them, and the worship is so important. Otherwise, it does become a make work project, but. To have the living God speaking in us and through us as we go back out into the world, that we actually worship Him in the way we live uh, between Sundays. 
Mm, no, that's so well said. You know, I think the important thing is to see that that the service is not an end in itself. Yeah. The teaching is not an end in itself. The music is not an end in itself. It is what happens beyond that, you know, the actual application of it. And, you know, even as we're talking here, I'm thinking about my wrestling with services. I think worship services, quote, that that weekend event is not irredeemable. Yeah. But I think there needs to be some intentionality. Yeah. That, you know, in terms of the planning and execution, what happens, it needs to be under the umbrella of the purpose of the church, making disciples. Yeah. You know, and how do we then harness this moment for making disciples? And I think with some intentionality, it could it could be pretty high leverage. Yeah, so if you're listening to this and you actually have the privilege of, of speaking God's Word, uh, can we challenge you uh, as you prepare to put as much uh, intentionality in the conclusion and the application of your message as you do in the introduction? A lot of pastors, you know, they spend all their time finding a, that good story to get people into the text, but then the, the, the message sort of just ends or they run out of time, and, and that's a disservice uh, to sharing or preaching the Word of God. On the other hand, if you don't preach but you listen to the Word of God, uh, I don't know about you, but but throughout my life, I've always had a little journal there, or if it even written in my Bible, uh, seek, you know, hunger, and, and those that hunger and thirst after righteousness. You know, it says, you know, blessed are those, they will be filled. And God wants to meet you in the text personally, but also... He wants to transform you to become like Jesus. So take notes, uh, underline things in the Bible, the Word, and uh, be hungry and thirsty for how you can grow and apply what you've just learned as well. Mm, amen. I think that's a wonderful place to land. Yeah, and take you know take responsibility for responding to what the Word is saying to you, what the Spirit is saying to you, and take it out into the streets during the week. Well, I'm Darren Rye with Tim Beadle, and this is Disciple Making, and we are uh, wrestling through many issues of disciple-making in these days. It's our desire to be disciples, so make disciples and encourage and equip you to do the same. So thanks for joining us today, and we look forward to having you here again. Thanks for joining us. For more information, go to imakedisciples.com or christfollowerdna.com. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts.